0: If you're new with this, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And as we begin a new series, I have a question for you. I want to find out who's more like this, and then in a second, who's more like that. So. Um, for those who are more like this, I want to raise, see a raise of hands in just a second. How many of you are more like this when something happens in your life? So if something breaks at home, like your vacuum cleaner isn't quite working the way that it should, or if the service engine soon light comes on in your car, how many of you take that as a, a, a word from God that you've got to activate and fix that thing right away? How many of you jump on that stuff? You're an activator. You're going to take care of it. Hold your hand high. Okay. All right. Now, I'm assuming that means everybody else is in the other category, but we'll see. So now, how many of you are more like this? So you see something like that. The service engine soon light comes on, and it tells you sometime in the future, you should probably get that looked at. Um, Your vacuum cleaner isn't working correctly. And that tells you, sometime in the future, you should try to pull that thing apart and figure out how to fix it. How many of you are more like that? Okay, that's about half that, you know, I think there's a few that didn't raise their hands there. But, um, you know, it's interesting that most people call that procrastination. I call that strategic planning. So as a strategic planner, let me tell you about a few things that I have strategically planned in my life. So at our house, we have a toilet that doesn't always work. Um, It kind of needs some help to flush. If you plunge it, it will flush. If you don't plunge it, it may not flush. It may flush, it may not. Drives my wife crazy. It's been like that for a couple of months. And I've looked at it, and I have assessed it's not a priority, Tammy, because you can plunge it and it'll still work. And she doesn't like that. So I've been sleeping on the couch for the past couple of months. And she said, hey, if you'd like to sleep in the bed, let's get that fixed. We had a bunch of people coming over to our house recently. So I called a plumber friend of mine. He came over and it took like two minutes to fix it. I was like really sad. I was like, come on, man. Can you at least spend a day here or something? I'll even pay you. Like, I got to show my wife. This was such a major deal. We had to put it off. But no, it like happened in two minutes. So I had a a tire on one of uh, my cars one time. It was a car that I drove primarily. The front driver's side tire was wearing badly. All the other tires were fine, but that one was wearing badly. And it irritated me Not too much, because I I knew I would have to deal with it, but I didn't want to deal with it right then. So I took the time to pull the tire off and put it on the other side of the car so I wouldn't have to look at it. I didn't want to be reminded of that on a regular basis. That was my strategic planning. I'll get to it someday. When I know I have to deal with it, I'll deal with it. So in life, we have activators, we have procrastinators or strategic planners, again, as we like to call them. And the interesting thing is, uh, when it comes to the subject of death, most of us are procrastinators. Most of us know, hey, I've got to deal with that someday. There's some things I need to do to get ready for that day, but I can wait. I have time. I'll put that off until I know I really need to address that. But the reality is, for all of us, we need to address it sooner Than later, because we don't know when that day may come when we're going to be face to face with our own mortality. So, what we're going to do today and over the next few weeks is we're starting a new series called After Death. And in this series, we're going to explore what happens from a biblical perspective after we die. Today, we're going to talk about the reality of death and what happens next. Next week, we're gonna talk about what Jesus taught about heaven and hell. And then the week after that, I'm gonna do my best to answer as many of your questions about heaven, hell, what happens after we die. So what I encourage you to do is, if you have questions about that, stop by one of our giving boxes. At the back of each seating section, there's a table. It's got a giving box on it. And next to that is a prayer card. Just fill out that prayer card. You don't have to put your name on it, but just fill out that prayer card with your question and then slide that in the giving box. And then I'll get that this week and start working on the answers to the questions that you have about heaven, hell, and what happens after we die. Now, when it comes to our procrastination or our strategic planning uh, around death, I think there are several reasons why we tend to put that subject off. And the first reason is there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people talking about what happens after death and we're left to decide like, what is it? Like what, what, what's true? What's, what's right. And there's a lot of information to sort through. And sometimes we get a little overwhelmed with it and we're not exactly sure what to do with all that information. Because there are some people out there that say, you know what, this life is all we get. You die and that's it. There's, there's nothing more. And then there's a group of people that say, no, what happens is you come back as someone else and you get another chance to live life. And if you're a good person, you continue to work up that good scale, then maybe one day your spirit will be absorbed into the cosmos. There's people that believe that. There are people that believe that um, everybody goes to heaven regardless of what you believe, regardless of how you've lived, there are people who believe that only good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell, and then when you stand before God, he puts your good and your bad on a scale, and he kind of weighs it out. And, and if you're more good, you go to heaven. If you're more bad, you go to hell. If you're kind of in between, you go to this place called purgatory, and, and then there's some stuff that potentially can have happen there for you to get you out of that spot. Then there are people who believe that everyone will live forever somewhere, either with God or apart from God. There's a lot of information out there and we're left to decide what is true. And again, that can be an overwhelming thing. Now, another reason that we tend to put off this issue of our own mortality is we're kind of uncomfortable with it. I mean, death and all that happens around death is kind of, a, kind of a weird subject and many of us kind of back away from that and, and we don't really want to deal with that on a regular basis. And you know, just think about what happens when someone that we know dies. Our world kind of screeches to a halt for a few days, a few weeks, at the most of a few months, uh, but usually pretty quickly, we are sucked right back into the busyness of life. And so we're charging through life and we kind of, you know, maybe we have a few moments around death where we think deeply about death. We think about our own mortality. We think about what's going to happen after uh, our own death and and that person who's died. But then often life just pulls us right back into the busyness and we don't have regular thoughts then about mortality and our own mortality and our eternity. And so we put that off thinking, I've got more time. I'll think about that later when I have to, to think about that. And then when we're trying to cope with death, we often say some strange things to each other. Uh, and we say some strange things to ourselves around someone who's past. Sometimes we say things like, well, at least that person is in a better place. Or, you know, I'm so glad their suffering is over. Now, those things may be nice things to say, but they may or may not be true. And I know around death, we all want to be comforted, but but I want you to, to listen to this. Truth can bring comfort that comfort alone can't. So I'll say that again. Truth can bring a comfort to us that comfort alone can't. And I think we owe it to ourselves to be truth seekers not just comfort seekers not just looking for what's that comfortable answer that makes me gonna, that's going to make me feel good right now in the moment but what's the truth that i can hold on to that will bring me comfort for eternity so again that's what we're trying to do in this series is look for god's truth when it comes to what happens after we die. So we're going to start today in Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to be in verse 27. If you have a Bible with you, you want to flip over there, you can do that. Otherwise, we're going to have the verse come up on the screen here. So verse 27 says, each person is destined to die once. I like how the New King James Version translates that verse. And it says, it is appointed for men to die once. So that verse tells us, that we all have an appointment with death. You have an appointment with death. I have an appointment with death. We all have an appointment with death. And we may die accidentally. We may die from a car accident going down I-95 with all the people that drive 1,000 miles an hour. We may die after a long battle with a disease that has ravaged our bodies. We may die at the hands of a deranged person like those poor people in Texas experienced last week. We may go to sleep one night and wake up the next morning and have ended our experience here on earth. The reality is that we are all one day going to die. Aren't you super excited you got up this morning, came to church for that word of encouragement? You know, some of you thought, you know, I just got to go to church today. I got to be encouraged. And here you are. Again, we're looking for truth. And the, the truth that we're learning today can be an encouragement to us. And here's the encouragement that we can get out of that verse so far. It tells us we have an appointment with death. Guess what that means? That means God knows when the appointment is. The Bible teaches that God is all-knowing. And because God knows everything, he knows the exact moment that we will take our last breath on this earth. That is super encouraging to me because what that means is my death, your death is in God's hands. So if I can trust God with my life, I can trust God with my death. If you can trust God with your life, you can trust God with your death. Listen to how King David um, framed that in Psalms 39. I lived a long time ago. Second king of the nation of Israel, little David and Goliath. If you know that story, that's this, this David. And he says this. He said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. That was a standard of measurement back in those days. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope is in you. We can be in that same spot, just like David. We can say, you know what? I'm gonna put my hope in the God who knows exactly when My time on earth will end. Verse 27 continues. It says, each person is destined to die once and after that. Those three words tell us there's an after to that and that that is death. There's an after to our death. Death is not the end for anyone. Death is just a transition for all of us, onto what's gonna happen after we die. And I am reminded of that every time I do a funeral. Every time I I do a funeral, I'm reminded when I look at someone whose spirit has left their body, this is not the end. This is not the end for them. This is not the end for anyone. And I was personally reminded of that over 15 years ago when my dad died. My dad had a, a long battle with leukemia, about at the end of 11 years of that battle, um, his life ended here on this earth. And we got the phone call. We drove down to Orlando to the hospital where he was at. And um, my wife and I, my brother and my sister-in-law, we stood looking at my dad's body. And I leaned down to kiss my dad on his forehead. And when my lips felt his cold forehead, I, I reminded myself again, my dad's not here. His spirit is is gone. This is just his body. This is just the thing he's been uh, using on this earth to get himself around. But my dad is not here. This is not the end for my dad. Death is not the end for anyone. It is the beginning for everyone. Now, verse uh, 27 continues, and it tells us what it's the beginning of, and it tells us what happens next. So it says, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes, what's that next word? Judgment. judgment. Now, doesn't that sound super exciting? Again, you know, we're, we're here this morning for a word of encouragement. And you find out today after death comes judgment. Again, we're looking for truth. Truth that can bring us a hope that just comfort alone can. So the Bible describes several different types of judgments. That happen after death. There's uh, two primary ones. One for Christ followers called the judgment seat of Christ. One for non-Christ followers called the great white throne judgment. So we're going to look at the great white throne judgment one first. And uh, the passage we'll look at is Revelation chapter 20. And this is the apostle John describing what he saw in a vision. So in verse 11... Apostle John said, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, um, let me tell you just a little bit of what's going on there. There There's several different interpretations of what's happening there at the great white throne judgment. One interpretation is that there are different degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. And that's why there's this judgment based upon deeds. There's another uh, interpretation that says people are being judged based upon their deeds because God is proving to them that their deeds do not earn them entrance into heaven. Their names aren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Book of Life is also known as the Lamb's Book of Life, which is Jesus' book. And because their name is not written in the Book of Life, they will be sentenced to in eternity, in the lake of fire. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Now, the second judgment described is a little bit more exciting. It is the judgment seat of Christ, also known as the Bema seat. And it's for Christ followers, people whose names have been written in the book of life. And the apostle Paul describes the judgment seat of Christ in Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians chapter five. So listen to Romans 14 first. He said, we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And uh, several other translations translate that as the judgment seat of Christ. Then 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says, for we, and he's speaking to all Christ followers, we all must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now let me explain what's happening here and what isn't happening here. Um, What isn't happening is Paul's not saying, listen, uh, Christ followers are being judged According to their deeds, to see if they can enter heaven. That's not what he's saying. Uh, He's saying that's already a done deal. Uh, If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Your entrance into eternity, into heaven, is guaranteed. It's a sealed deal, it's a done deal. Then, after that, why are we being judged for our deeds? The reason for that is it's more of an award ceremony. So if you think about that judgment more of an award ceremony, you probably have a better perspective of that. And we see that in the Greek word bima. So the Greek word bima for judgment means step or platform. And it was a judicial term. It was also an athletic term. So in the Greek Olympics, when someone won one of the events, they would step up to the Bema step or the Bema platform to receive their reward. So in our context, if you would think about someone winning the Olympics and seeing them stand on the medals platform, getting the gold, the silver, the bronze, that's the kind of context of what's happening at the judgment seat of Christ. Those Christ followers are receiving rewards for how they've lived their life. Now, the Bible describes five different types of rewards that Christ followers will receive, and they are called crowns. So there may be more than this, but here are the five that are described we have the crown of life, we have the imperishable crown. We have the crown of righteousness, the crown of rejoicing, and the crown of glory. So let me explain each one to you uh, momentarily. So the crown of life is given to people who endure temptation, who endure testing, hardship, persecution, who endure difficulty and hold on to their faith in the midst of great struggle in their lives. The imperishable crown is given to people who take their faith seriously and do not just uh, hang out at a superficial level and a superficial relationship with God, but they push to spiritual maturity that's super important to them. The crown of righteousness is given to those who live rightly on this earth, and live in the way that God wants them to live, live more and more like Jesus every day. The crown of rejoicing is given to people who share their faith and lead others to Christ. And then the crown of glory is given to church leaders who shepherd their congregations well. And you kind of break this down in the context of, let's say you're a small group leader. You shepherd your small group well. I truly believe that, that crown can be, can be given to you. You're a small group leader and you lead children in growing in their relationship with God. I think that's a context of shepherding uh, the family of God well and, and that would be the crown of glory. That you could receive for that. So doesn't that judgment sound a little bit more exciting than the first one? Everybody still with me? Great. Glad you're still here. Now, let me tell you how you can attend either one of those judgments. For the great white throne judgment, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to believe that God sent Jesus to die so you can live. You don't have to read your Bible and apply it to your life. You really don't have to do anything. Just live your life any way that you want. And when you die, if, if scripture is correct, if what we understand in scripture is correct, then after your death comes the great white throne judgment. Now, if you would prefer to go to the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat that awards ceremony, then what you need to do on this earth is believe that Jesus died so you can live. To believe that you can't get to heaven based upon what you have done. We get to heaven based upon what God has done for us and we live in response to that. So that's how you get to either one of those judgments. Now, to get to the great white throne judgment. No, let me change that. To get to the Bema seat judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, it doesn't mean, hey, you know what? I've got the ticket. I believe in Jesus. Now I can live any way I want. It doesn't mean that. I grew up around a lot of people who thought that. I grew up around a lot of folks that said, you know, I put my faith in Jesus and now I can live like whatever I want. And when I stand before God, I'm going to say, I have the golden ticket. And if you think that, that's some thin ice to be skating on. I would not want to stand before a holy God and stare into his holy eyes with that kind of an answer. Now, again, do do we get entrance into heaven based upon how we've lived? No. We get entrance into heaven based upon what Jesus has done for us, but we should live in response to what Jesus has done. So the big question of the day is, which judgment will you be at? Which judgment will you be at? As you process that, remember, you can't wait till after your death to decide that. You can't die and then, oh, man, let me make this decision quick. Once you die, that decision has been made. And if you hold off on that decision and say, well, I'm just not gonna make a decision because there's so many options, that's still a decision. And the Bible teaches that we have to make a decision with our lives and we will ultimately, whether we want to or not, based upon the decision we've made to follow Jesus or not. So some of you... Um, this may be kind of new information and, and you may be thinking, you know what, like, I haven't really thought this deeply about that and I'd like a little more information. So if that's you, great. I encourage you to come back next week. Next week, we're gonna talk about, again, what Jesus taught about heaven and hell. And then the week after that, we're gonna answer questions about heaven and hell and what happens after we die. So if you have questions, make sure you write them down. We'll do our best to answer all of those. So if you need more information, come back next week. Now, some of you may not need more information. Maybe you've heard this information before. And and maybe there there might be a few people here today that say, you know what? I I know today's the day. I've got to make this decision. I have to put my faith and trust in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. So if that's you, I'm going to guide you in how you can do that. Today, but listen to this verse first. Romans ten nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's another way to say that your name will be written in the book of life. Verse 10 says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So if you've never done that before, And if you sense that like today may be the day for you, that today may be the day that you make that decision that will help prepare you for all of eternity, then I'm gonna guide you in a short prayer. And a short prayer is a confession. It's a confession to God where we say, God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and I receive him as my personal Lord and savior. So my prayer today is gonna have two component, components or two parts to it. So the first part is for anyone who is deciding to put their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time in their lives. The second part is gonna be for anyone who is deciding to kind of come back to God. Because we, we may have some other folks here today who are saying, you know what? I need to recommit my life to God. I need to rededicate my life to following him. I'm a believer. I've put my faith and trust in him. I know my name is written in the book of life, but you know what? I haven't really been living like my name is written in the book of life. So maybe you're in that spot. So the second part of my prayer will be for those who may be in that, in that spot today. So what I'd like to do as we close today is I'd like to ask all of us to just close our eyes and bow our heads and just have a moment of privacy for all of us, just a moment to block out distractions and just have a conversation with the creator of the universe and not postpone, not procrastinate about our death anymore that we'll talk about it with him, and then we'll live in a certain way. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for the truth that we can know in your written word, that we can have your thoughts captured in print for us so that we can know how to live and we can know how to prepare for one of the most important things for all of us. That's what happens after we die. And so, Lord... Thank you for the truth of Scripture that can give us a comfort that just comfort alone can't. Thanks that we can stand on that and we can know what will happen after we die. And Lord, we understand from Scripture that everyone will live forever somewhere, either with you for all of eternity or apart from you for all of eternity. And you want everyone to live with you. For all of eternity. So, God, there may be some people here today that are making the decision to put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior for the first time in their lives. So if if that's you today, what I encourage you to do is just say a, a quiet prayer between you and God. And the cool thing is God can understand your thoughts. God knows what you're saying in your heart and he understands the condition of your heart and your mind. So if that's you today, just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died so I can live and I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Now teach me how to live in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, I'd just like to ask if there's anybody here that's prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you just hold your hand up high so I can see it? If anybody's prayed that prayer, and I'm just going to take a second and look. I see one. Thanks for your courage. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anybody else? All right, I'm gonna transition my prayer. Lord, there's others of us that are in a spot where we recognize we've been far from you. We've drifted from you. Like, we, we know our names written in the book of life. We've put our faith and trust in Jesus. We know we can't do anything good to, to earn eternal life, and yet, God, we've drifted, and we just haven't been living the way that we should. So if that's you, I... I I ask you to, to have a conversation with God right now about this decision you're making, that you're gonna leave here different. You're gonna leave here with a, a determination to start following Jesus again and, and applying his principles to your life and not just live in any way that you want to. So if there's anybody here that is committing to uh, rededicating their lives to following Jesus, I'm gonna ask you, would you raise your hand and just hold it up high? All right, there's hands all over. Great. So God, we're so grateful for the truth that we can know in scripture and grateful for how that truth can radically transform our lives. I pray for those, uh, Lord, the one today that I saw that put their faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would grow them in that relationship. And Lord, I, I pray for those who are rededicating their lives, coming back. I pray that you would show them what they need to do today. Lord, there's all kinds of obstacles towards us coming back into that relationship where uh, we need to be. So Lord, show them like, how they need to to attack those obstacles and what they need to do, who they may need to stay away from, what they may need to stay away from, who they may need to to spend more time around, what they may need to spend more time doing in their life to grow their life in a way that will really bring honor and glory to you. We're grateful for the truth that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, um, from what I could tell, there was one person that put their faith and trust in Jesus today. Would you just like welcome them to the body of Christ? Super excited for them and super excited for those of you who are recommitting to, to following Christ. Praying for you on that journey as you do that. Again, next week we're going to talk about what Jesus teaches about heaven and hell. The week after that, we are going to answer as many of your questions that you might have about the subject of death and what happens after death. So make sure you fill those questions out on a prayer card, drop those in the giving box before you leave today. And then do me one other favor as you're leaving today. If there's somebody around you that you you don't know or don't know well, just take a few minutes to get to know them before you move on in your day. Thanks for being here, everybody. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next week.